It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and I am your host, and I have a cold, and I'm losing my voice. Uh, I worked an overtime shift on Saturday here in Arizona, and it rained the entire time, and we were out in the rain for hours and hours and hours. As a result, um, this is what I sound like today. Yeah, it was fun, though. It was fun, but it, it was it was a long shift for sure. Anyway, on today's episode of Kilowatt, we are going to sit down with Scott Painter, who's the founder of a few companies you might have heard of. In 2005, he founded TrueCar, which is a really cool service that I've used in the past to get the best price on vehicles. He's also founded Fair and CarsDirect.com. And most recently, he is the founder and CEO of Autonomy a car subscription service. It's much more than that. It's an EV subscription service. And we're going to learn a lot more about autonomy in this interview. So let's just go ahead and jump right in. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I am really looking forward to this conversation. Um, you are the founder of True Car. And if we, if we can start off by me just kind of singing that, the praises of that website, uh, about 11 or 12 years ago, might not have been that long, my father-in-law and I were sitting in a Jeep dealership because he wanted to buy a Jeep, you know, one of the pickup trucks that's ridiculously expensive. And every time the salesman would go back to his manager, I'd pull up True Car and I'd show my father-in-law. And this was before it was big. And I show my father-in-law and he would be like, okay. And then, you know, ultimately he didn't buy the Jeep. But uh, it was it was a successful uh on what's the word for it? Entree. It was it was a successful test, I guess, in yep. terms of buying a car and making it even for people like me who uh, I'm just not a very good negotiator. Well, you know, I think um, companies have to solve a real problem, and buying a car is widely recognized as one of the most high anxiety, confrontational, and asymmetrically problematic things we all do in modern life. I mean, going into a car dealership. And trying to buy a car from a car salesman who does it all day, every day, is seemingly unfair. Um, and 
The, the objective at TrueCar was to provide transparency so that a first-time car shopper could actually have all the information they know or that they need to get a fair deal. And what we did at TrueCar that was really, I think, groundbreaking is we standardized all the information and published what everybody else paid in very simple and easy to understand tables and graphics so that you, you don't have to be an expert to know that of the you know, 2,000, 4,000, 20,000 people that bought a car, just like the one you're trying to buy, this is what they paid. And it was based on actual transaction data, which is always perfect when you're looking backwards. You have to take a couple of leaps in terms of how you standardize that data, but you don't have to be a math expert to know that you want to be left of center of a bell curve. Um, and so the the bell curve became our logo. It became our sort of rallying cry. And it also meant that for consumers like your dad, uh, we were a hero brand, but for Many car dealers, we fell into one of two buckets. Either we were a way to help them reduce costs, reduce friction, and, and get to yes faster with their customer because they could basically just point to the true car price and the customer would say, I get it. I, I see it. I trust it. But a big chunk of dealers felt we were publishing the magician's handbook and we really took away their opportunity to get margin. And so uh, as an entrepreneur, it was a really high friction high anxiety experience for me. It was hard to run that company. And um, we were always seemingly embattled with the industry. You know, um, I what you said there about uh, making it uh, more fair for the for the actual buyer, right? They, they have a whole team in the auto uh, dealership, not just the salesmen, like they got the managers on managers on managers. So everything's stacked in their favor. When we bought, when my wife and I bought our Mazda, like two or three years later, we used True Car to get the best deal on that, but we paid a little bit over what the average was in our area. And by the time we bought, we bought a minivan, like maybe three or four years after that. We, we basically just showed them the True Car price and they undercut it by a certain amount. And they're like, here you go. There was no negotiating, really. It was the easiest car purchase I've ever had. And that was probably what, in 2015, 16, something like that. So it really, like, for me, you have saved me money, th probably thousands of dollars uh, over two car purchases for sure. Well, you know, it's interesting. The practical impact of True Car was that once we introduced transparency into a market, the price distribution between the person who paid the most and the person who paid the least for the same car went from 30% to 3%. Oh. And most of that was about progressing to the mean, meaning that there were some customers who got a screaming deal and there were some customers who didn't get as good of a deal because they were understanding that it's it's a little bit more fair to pay a little bit more. So there's always, you know, some customers who are just amazing negotiators or for whatever reason, they got just some kind of a, an odd outlier type of, of uh, sweetheart deal. But when you have transparency, everybody, you know, the transaction you described with the Mazda um, that was a, also a very easy transaction for the salesman because you came in, you saw the price, they met the, they beat the bid, if you will, and you said, I'll take it. Well, friction and resistance to a sale for a car dealership is cost. And, you know, you, you outlined they've got managers on managers in a dealership. That's called the F&I department. The F&I department has one mission in life, and that is to optimize the front end gross on the sale of a car. And there's a lot of ways for a dealership to make its profit. And they can be very, very crafty about whether it's getting a bigger down payment, you know, stealing your trade in, 
lowering your monthly payment by increasing your um, term, um, you know, giving you a discounted interest rate or keeping a little bit of that interest rate through an indirect car loan. There's all sorts of levers you can push and pull. And this is, again, why it's really not the same thing for a consumer and a dealer to be in a negotiation. The dealer has all of the advantages in that conversation. You know, I get asked all the time how to get the best deal when buying a car. And the first thing I'd say is be a cash buyer. Walk in and do not try to both buy the car and arrange for the financing at the dealership. Um, and being a cash buyer doesn't mean just walking in with a bag of $100 bills. It means going out and getting a car loan from your credit union or from a lender where you're going to get your best interest rate so that you can actually negotiate the price on the car as a standalone issue. Because when you give all these variables to the car dealer, you're just never going to win. Yeah. And, and just to go kind of... I wasn't meaning to go this far down this path, but uh, with our with our van, our minivan, where, where they beat the price, um, we were more likely to buy. We bought the uh, the service plan afterwards, which we weren't going to buy, but we were like, you know what, this was an easy transaction. Transaction. We were much more open to that, and it ended up paying itself off, to be honest. Um, and then also, uh, we had our own financing set up through our credit union, and they beat it. So. Um, all in all, it was, it was an amazing experience. I'm you, telling you, you've saved me thousands of dollars. You know, what you're doing is you're eliminating parts of the the variables in the equation that lead to that front end gross profit for the car dealer. So when you have your own financing, they do have to beat it or they're going to lose you on that component of the transaction. So it turns out the way they, they do it is they take your same credit that the credit union did and they run it against a dozen potential lenders. And there's always... Lenders that are going to finance the customer at the lowest possible interest rate all the way up to the highest, but the dealer gets different levels of participation. So it's almost a certainty that if you tell the, the dealer you don't have a credit union involved, their first offer is going to be the worst financial trade for you. And then they keep offering you a lower and lower and lower and lower rate until you say yes. And they're just working their way down the list. So there are, you know, I think all of this really begins with a deep not just by me, but by my whole team and the, the group that we had on the crusade at True Car, a deep understanding of how cars are sold. Um, and based on that expert understanding, we, we built a system to level the playing field. And it's interesting because I've had over a dozen companies in the automotive space at this point. Um, you know, I had a company called Auto Access. I had um, um, Cars Direct. Uh, we were the first company to put an upfront price on a car on the Internet. That really started digital retailing. Then we had True Car. I've also had Fair, which is the first used vehicle leasing app. Then I also now have Autonomy. So all of these companies have the same exact mission, by the way, which is to make buying and owning a car easier using technology. Because my belief is that we all get a car when something good happens in our life. You get a job, uh, you know, a promotion. You, you graduate from school, your family's growing, you need to go from a certain type of car to maybe a minivan or an SUV, you know, you're moving to a new city. New cars almost always are a positive milestone in life for anybody who gets one. You don't sort of, I mean, other than I remember in my second divorce, I got, I went out and got a car. But other than that, um, you know, well, actually, if I think about it, that, that was sort of a positive milestone too. So, you know, I think that cars, represent things to people that are positive and yet we all recognize that buying a car is a very time consuming high anxiety transaction that involves a lot of money 
and a lot of things we don't all understand. So it's just it's just a very, very, um, you know, sort of interesting problem to solve. And once you understand it, I've just been on that same journey today. What we do at Autonomy is we just solve more and more of the problem. You know, one of the challenges at TrueCar is that we would give you price transparency, which is the thing you do before you buy. And then we would show you to a dealer. But if that dealer was good, you'd have a great experience. If that dealer was bad, you have a bad experience. So what we're doing at Autonomy is we've eliminated all of the variables in the negotiation. We have a completely transparent menu driven digital process that isn't about lending you money. So there's no debt. There's there. It's all digital. It happens on your phone. And because we're putting you in a long-term fixed financial contract, it doesn't chew up any of your available borrowing ability. You can pay for it on your credit card. Um, it, it doesn't, you know, you don't pay a higher price if you have a lower FICO score. It is a fundamentally different thing. It, it's more akin to a rental in the sense that you're not buying the car, but leasing, rental, subscription, they're all synonyms in that our subscribers don't own the car we do. So we handle title, registration, maintenance, repair, all the roadside assistance that comes with the car. All of these things are included. So you don't have to worry, is this car going to have any kind of a you know mechanical breakdown or are there going to be problems? Am I on the hook? You know, you you ended up having to buy an extended service agreement for the you know the car you were talking about. But all of our cars at Autonomy, for example, come with the, all of that coverage as part of your subscription, including the tires including the tires. So if you run out of tires or brakes or windshield wipers or whatever you need, you just simply tell us in the app, you're immediately scheduled for an appointment, a service appointment at the local auto nation store. They're our partner on a national basis. You roll in, you do not have to come out of pocket for any of those costs. The car comes with all of those things. So long as you're subscribing to it. What was the, what, what did you see in the EV market before you started autonomy that made you say, Oh, this is a direction we want to go. Cause I don't, know exactly when I, I tried to look up exactly when the autonomy started i i noticed you about a year maybe a year and a half ago yeah um, we officially launched autonomy in january of this year okay so we haven't been around a long time you know i started a company called fair and so we were the first used vehicle leasing app we're the first ones that focused entirely on electric vehicles and if you want to know what the tipping point was i think it's when hertz ordered a hundred thousand cars from tesla last september and Tesla's market cap vaulted to a trillion dollars. I think that was a very real inflection point in consumers embracing EVs. And every single OEM within 30 days of that event said they're going all in on electric. General Motors has said by 2030, they will be out of the internal combustion engine production business. Ford says by 2026. Uh, at this point, literally every manufacturer has committed to making every single vehicle they make as an electric vehicle. That is a big deal. And right now, you know, you've got Tesla, which isn't just a big deal. They're so dominant. They're making almost 85% of electric vehicles. They produced 367,000 cars in the third quarter. Everybody else combined produced less than 30,000. So you've got one really, really standout company, but one of the missions at Tesla was to force the industry to embrace sustainability and go electric. And I think, you know, to Elon's credit, we, we, we can say that that is, that is a real thing. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And you're only available in what, three markets, four markets? No, we're uh, available in all California markets. Um, so today we've got uh, pickup points in San Diego, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Sacramento. We've now opened up Seattle, Washington. Phoenix, Arizona is now live, so you can get a car in your market. We're also in San Antonio and Austin, Texas, as well as Miami and Fort Lauderdale, Florida. We will be in the uh, New York tri-state market and the Virginia tri-state market and Georgia by uh, the end of the first or second quarter of next year. So we're growing fast. Our intention is to be fully national in the continental U.S. sometime before the end of 2023. So the, the good thing for us is that we've already run these contracts in almost all states. Um, FAIR was operational in 32 different states. So we are largely running the same contract that we ran at FAIR, but with the EV car as a twist. Um, when you install the app, all you have to show us is a driver's license and a credit card. It is identical to renting a scooter. Um, we do something a little bit different because we're not lending you money. We aren't evaluating you from an underwriting perspective. We're evaluating you from a risk perspective. So we scan your driver's license and we do a thing called an MVR. We are looking at your motor vehicle history, your record. And if you've had a DUI, a suspended driver's license, a reckless driving history, or a felony arrest, we don't give you a car. <laughs> it's just, it sounds so simple, but it turns out by preventing those people from having a car, we curtail almost all of our bad outcomes. And unlike most auto lenders or auto lessors, we have an extremely low delinquency and default rate because we're in a bit of a different cash position. To get a car from autonomy, you do require that you put up a security deposit. And you also have to pay for the first month up front, not in arrears. Because of that, we are in 60 to 90 days of positive cash flow uh, on every car. If for whatever reason your credit card 
uh, you know, rejected the, the payment for the next month. We've got 60 days to collect the car because we own the car are um, the laws that regulate our ability to. And you think about this with an electric car, our ability to summon the car is pretty remarkable. Whereas classic repossession, uh, which, you know, deserves a spot on a reality TV show doesn't really exist for us. If we need to get a car back, we're notifying you well in advance of, of you being in negative cash flow with us. So what we care about is good quality revenue streams. And it turns out that with a $50,000 product and a generally good customer who's in, got a good driving record, we just don't have any delinquency and default outcomes. We're able to get the cars back very easily. Um, it's very similar to a rental car company. You don't have defaults and delinquencies in rental car companies because they pay for the car before they drive it. So you said there's a security deposit. So there, if I remember right, on your website, there's like a slider, right? You can, depending on how much you want to put down, and that affects your uh, monthly payment. Is that correct? Yeah, we, so we have, we give customers a choice. They can either choose a low monthly payment with a start fee, or they can choose a higher monthly payment and a much lower start fee. So on one end, we're 450 a month, 3000 down, or 1000 a month and 1000 down. And it turns out the people who tend to choose the higher monthly have better income and they tend to be a little bit less sensitive to the cost of a monthly payment. But those are also the people who tend not to keep the car as long. For folks who've put up $5,000 to get into a car or $3,000 to get into a car, they stay in the car and they haven't left yet. I mean, we're young enough to say that, you know, that entire cohort of customers is still in their car. They just don't return the car. They like the monthly payment and they're going to go ahead and amortize their start fee over a longer period of time, which is fine. Yeah. And then you you also have uh, a minimum of three months, right? But after that, if you, if you don't like the car, you just return it and you're free to go. That's right. Um, and the reason we have a three-month minimum is we don't want to be thought of as a rental car. Uh, we're five times cheaper than a rental car. A rental car between Hertz and Turo is 105 to $135 a day, right? Mm -hmm. We're, we're effectively at 450 a month. We're about $22 a day or so. So we're so much cheaper that we don't want to be sort of in a position where customers are using us as an alternative to rental. And so we discourage that by requiring the three month minimum. If you were to get a car from us for three months and you went, say, with a thousand, a thousand, You'd have to put up a thousand dollars to start and a thousand a month. So for three months, you're into that car for four thousand dollars. If you were renting that car, you'd be into that car for ten thousand dollars. So we are um, not wanting to, for you to think of us like uh, a rental car company because we don't want to try to out hurts hurts. I don't want to have cars stacking up everywhere and us changing. We, you know, our use case is really about somebody who needs a car for a flexible term, but our average hold time we anticipate to be somewhere between one and two years. Okay. And then within that time, let's say um, I'm driving around a model three for about six months. Uh, you guys just made a deal with a VinFast, and then I want to be in the VF eight. Uh, is it, can I just take it there and, and get my VF eight and drive that around if it's available? Yeah, we haven't done a swap yet, but we're actually talking about it internally now because we're going to launch VinFast here in the first quarter. So, yeah, there will be some kind of a fee, but it will be nominal. We don't want to lose you as a customer. Um, the hardest thing for us to win is a first-time customer. So it, it, you're not going to have to put up a new security deposit to get into the, the V8. 
we're going to probably have something like a one monthly payment or a, you know, a $250 flip fee. Um, you know, we're going to be launching not just VinFast, but Mercedes, the entire EQ line, the Polestar and a number of other vehicles. Uh, we're going to have a lot of people that want to try out cars and switch. And, you know, one of the cool features about a subscription is you don't pay tax up front. You pay monthly. So if you're somebody who likes variety and you want to go ahead and buy one, two, three cars a year, you might be spending, you know, at 9%, which is the sort of the average tax rate, depending on where you live, you might be spending twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a year on tax alone that you sidestep entirely with a subscription. So it's, it's sort of a much better financial alternative. And right now, what we're seeing is almost everybody, you know, we, so we've got some really cool um, value props, right? It's, it's cheaper, it's faster, it's easier, it's uh, digital, it's debt-free. Those are really big value props, but it does come down to just the key one, which is affordability. This is cheaper and driving electric is, you know, between four and eight times cheaper, depending on where you live per mile than putting gas in your car. You know, the average American is driving a car that gets about 20 miles to the gallon or less, and they're driving an average of a thousand miles a month. And at five or six dollars a gallon, that means you're putting a, a little over $4,000 a year into your gas tank. And you could be driving those same miles in California where electricity is the most expensive in the nation at about 19 cents a kilowatt hour. You could be driving those same miles for $600. And and that, that kind of brings up a good point. Uh, are you providing a level one charger with these vehicles? Because Tesla doesn't sell them with their vehicle anymore. Yep, that was one of the most important things in terms of negotiating with Tesla. We, we, we're getting level one chargers now into all of these cars. We're also working with Tesla to provide a level two converter box so they can do a home install. The customer would have to go ahead and have a 240 volt outlet installed. So a little bit of an electrician's time is, uh, is going to be required, but the AC charging converter is about a $400 unit. So we're going to provide that as well. And then. Obviously, what we're going to try to discourage is just everybody relying heavily on the supercharger network. But if you're going to be doing a road trip, the fact that the supercharging system from Tesla is becoming very, very present on all of our main, you know, freeways and, and, you know, major highways is really, really powerful. Today, if you're a Californian, you can get to a supercharger uh, system within 10 miles of every Californian. That's a pretty powerful statement. Yeah. And. I think people underestimate uh, a 110 outlet. Like if you're if you're within 10 or 15 miles of your house, your 110 outlet's going to be fine. You know, I don't when I go to work, it's about 30-ish miles to go to work, but I only go to work once a week because I work a 48-hour shift and then I come home. So like it's not a it's not a big deal for me to have a 110 outlet in my garage if I need one uh or use an 110 outlet. 80%, 80% of everybody who drives an electric car drives less than 25 miles a day. And they charge it at home with a level one charger. So this myth that we have to have charging infrastructure everywhere all the time isn't a real thing. This is a 250 to 300 mile range battery. And if you're depleting it only five to 10% per day, you could not charge it for a week or more and still be fine and then go to a supercharger station maybe twice a month. The reality is that, um, you know, I've had electric cars since 2010. I've charged every car that I've had on a 110, you know, just converter that comes with a car, just plugged it in. I, I remember I got the fir- one of the first Roadsters. Um, I've never had, an you know, even an AC level two charger in my home. Um, I, at, at one time, I had three different electric cars in my driveway. Um, all of them were just plugged into a 110 outlet. So 
Um, I think I think a lot of that is fear. I remember when this whole transformation first started, you would have thought that the on-ramps and off-ramps of every freeway would be clogged with Tesla drivers who've run out of juice. And you almost never see that at all. Um, if I wanted to sign up today and I go to my local auto nation, I, you know, I sign up on the app and then I'm ready to pick up my car. How long do I have to wait in Phoenix to pick up my car? Yeah, so you can sign up in 10 minutes and you can have your Tesla tomorrow. That That's a big deal. So you 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 have inventory available. Uh, you're not at a risk at this point of of a wait time. No, you're not at risk of a wait time. We we are always going to be trying to balance the demand or the reservation list with how many cars we have. We're not a rental car company. We we don't want to have a large parking lot full of cars waiting to be subscribed to. We are trying to always buy cars in advance of demand. We just turned on Phoenix about a week ago. We had to go through all of the legal requirements to become licensed and regulated in that state and to get everything up and running. We are now up and running and legal. We can roll cars and we preposition a very small number of cars. If, you know, more than 20 or so of your listeners went ahead and got a car today, we might have a wait for the 21st and 23rd customer, uh, you know, for a week or two. But um, car, cars are available and we don't have the traditional six to nine month wait, month wait list that you see for an electric car today. So I also saw that you're looking at Rivian, uh, Mercedes and uh, Chevy Bolts. Are, are those vehicles on their way to markets or are those deals still in the works? Yep. So everybody's in a different position, right? So we put in an order for 23,000 cars from 17 different car makers in August. That gave us an opportunity to sit down with each of them and find out when those cars are coming to market. Chevy, which is going to be a very high volume production level electric car, the Chevy Bolt in particular is going to be produced in the tens of thousands. Right now they're having a chip shortage and there's a supply chain issue with respect to those cars. So they're made, but not ready to be delivered. So it might be 60 or 90 days or it might even be longer. But we've got thousands of Chevy Bolts on order. Um, I think that when you talk about Mercedes, for example, we only ordered 600 Mercedes product for the 23,000 total order, but that reflects their market share. Um, but 600 Mercedes EQS, EQB, sedan and SUVs are coming. We already know the days, the VIN numbers and which dealerships are going to be ending up at. So um, it's our expectation that we're going to want to make sure that we advance that arrival with making those cars available inside the app experience. And again, things tend to go pretty quick for us. So we've got a pretty good read on how that demand is going to unfold. But you'll see um, in Q1, the VinFast product uh, landing here in America, that there might even be a couple hundred cars that get here before the end of the year. Um, these are all things that are out of our control. We can't put a car, um, you know, or a subscriber and a car together until the car is actually produced and delivered to us. So, um, Polestar, Rivian, new, very exciting products that are coming to market. Um, you know, Rivian is not producing at the pace that I think everybody what had hoped. They're very cool pickups. I mean, everybody looks at these things, but, you know, uh, I know a lot of people who've been on the list for a very long time. And so that is sort of a, uh, a you know, a game of hurry up and wait. Um, Polestar has got some very, very you know, powerful manufacturing partnerships that are going to give us a lot of clarity about what that ramp is going to look like over time. Fisker just went into production last week with uh, Magna Steyr. So those cars are going to start to show up and you'll start seeing them drive around town. For us, um, we're just a buyer of a car. We tend to buy more cars at one time than most. 
Yeah. Let's go to the, cause I was on the daily tech news show on Monday and we talked about, uh, the VinFast, uh, the, the VF8. What was it? Cause this is, that's a kind of a gamble, right? Because VinFast, while they're a known, Vin group is a known group in Vietnam. They're just entering into the EV market. And even more than that, they're, they're, it's very hard for a company, especially one that people aren't familiar with to enter in the U S market in the auto industry. What was the thought behind this? This is a car that we're going to uh, purchase. What did you see in VinFast, I guess? So across the board, we gave a lot of thought to what do we want to own, right? Because at the end of the day, this is a structured asset finance business. And we want to make sure that if we own the asset, that it's going to be a good, durable, reliable, and, uh, you know, sort of value retention asset, right? So number one for us was we're not going to buy a car that doesn't have at least 200 miles of range. So we did not order some vehicles because they came in just below that threshold. The VinFast does have the range that we're looking for. I think the VinFast quality in particular, since you asked about them, is remarkable. But I think it's also a reflection of sort of the state of how the car market and the car business and production has evolved. The world parts bin for cars means that new manufacturers don't have to reinvent things like windshield wipers and door locks and wind, you know, power windows. The standard things that come on a vehicle today are largely already viable off the shelf and modular components from the supply chain that's existing to support some of the bigger OEMs. So, you know, Think about, you know, it's not just VinFast. You got VinFast, BYD, Fisker, Lucid, Polestar, uh, Rivian. You've got so many new vehicles that have come to market from companies that in many cases are pre-product and pre-revenue. All of them represent a risk, but um, we, we don't think they represent a risk in the sense that they're going to be great cars. People are going to love them. Um, they're going to be going into a high demand market where there's low supply. So those vehicles are probably going to be very, very well priced. But for us, you know, I'll give you a, a sort of a, a side example. Canoe. Um, we love the Canoe product. Um, you know, it's this electric minivan, so to speak, and it's it's very modern. Uh, the, the car, the vehicle debuted in Westworld. I mean, it's just super cool. But their launch strategy is to sell it to Walmart and to the U.S. military for commercial uses, not to consumers. Well, that makes it a very hard car for us to own because there's going to be no secondary market for those those vehicles. So to the extent that Canoe wants to do something with us, you know, we're talking to them about a buyback program or a residual guarantee where we don't have to take that risk. But some of these companies are also so young and so new, the risk is whether or not they're even going to survive. So you've got, I think, a much more important indicator of um, sort of the longevity of these new car companies around what does their order list look like? Do they have a long-term reservation list? One of the cool things that's emerged with electric cars for the first time in the car business is, when Hummer announced that they were going to do the EV, the Hummer EV, they sold out of two years of production in 36 minutes. Yeah. That's never happened before. Um, you know, and then General Motors has now announced that not only are they doing the Cadillac Lyric, but the Corvette is going to go all electric. They've got the Chevy Blazer, the Equinox, the Silverado, all the way down to the Bolt. So they've got a full lineup. They're going all electric. And, you know, General Motors, whether you like the products or not, has one of the biggest R&D budgets and makes better product than almost anybody just from a, you know, fit, finish, durability and safety point of view. So 
I think it's going to be interesting to see how these cars sort of come into the market and roll through. But I don't think it's as big of a risk to own these cars so long as they can generate monthly revenue for us. For us, it really is about putting the asset to work. Will the car be reliable? I do think that you know, one of the other benefits of having a very modern brick and mortar infrastructure to support the sale of traditional vehicles, you know, you've got 60,000 car dealers in this country. You've got more car dealers than you have McDonald's, Burger King, Starbucks, and Dunkin' Donuts combined. So there is a lot of places to go buy a car. There's um, a car dealership within two miles of almost every American, unless you like live out in Bozeman, Montana or something. And there's probably one closer than you think. So the the number of car dealerships also means that the level of support for these cars in terms of service and maintenance is very strong. And these new companies don't have to go out and build a whole new infrastructure. What, what's really important is that they don't build a product that is only able to be touched by a proprietary mechanic. That would be a huge problem for us, you know, and so we, what we look for is, you know, dealership partnerships like the one we have with AutoNation, where as the nation's largest auto retailer, they've got reconditioning and maintenance capability. They've got more service base than any other company in America today, period. So the ability for us to offer our subscribers maintenance and warranty work at all of those service bays is huge. I'm, this is just completely separate of autonomy, but looking forward at uh, EVs that are out there right now or EVs that are coming out soon, what are you looking forward to personally, just for your own use? What are you looking forward to to seeing come out? You know, I I sort of, I'm a weirdo. I, I think cars should do a particular thing. So I, I'm excited to drive the Hummer EV. Um, I, I have not driven the Rivian yet. And I, I mean, I know a bunch of people who have them already, and I, I, I'm excited to go drive that product. I think that's a new enough and clever enough thing. Um, I, I'm probably most excited about just making my daily daily driver the uh, Tesla Plaid. There you go. Um, that thing's a rocket ship. Um, it just, you know, for years I used to drive a um, a BMW uh, Competition M5, and it's such a fast car and it's, you know, it's, it's, it looks like just every other sedan, but it's a beast. Um, the, the plaid is that on steroids. Awesome. Uh, why don't you tell people where to go to find autonomy and, uh, how to download the app and all that good stuff? Yeah. I think if people are looking to go electric that they should check out autonomy.com, but we're also easily findable. If you just call 1-800-AUTONOMY, you go into the app store and you can find the autonomy app or the Android store. Um, it's pretty easy. Uh, it's A-U-T-O-N-O-M-Y. And uh, we are right now in Florida, Texas, Arizona, Washington, and all of California. Yeah, Matt, and you kind of briefly mentioned this, but Matt said you guys have an end-of-the-year sale. It's, uh, what, $3,000 for the Model Y and then 450 a month? Yep. What we did is we calculated the tax savings that you would otherwise get if you went ahead and waited till January. And then we just pulled it forward now. And that's what actually was important about making our product cheapest. And that's guaranteed. So uh, there's not often that you get to be able to say you're cheapest. And that's a, it's, a, it's actually a legal guarantee. Well, Scott, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this with us. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it.
All right, everybody, that is it for us this week. I want to thank Scott Painter for taking the time and coming on the show and and chatting with us. I also want to thank Matt from Autonomy for setting all this up and putting in a bunch of hard work. Right before I did the interview, I went to the Kilowatt Slack and I asked the folks there what they would like to know about Autonomy. And uh, I didn't read this in time, but James from Canada asked if autonomy would be expanding to Canada. And uh, like I said, it, I, I didn't get the message in time. So I went ahead and emailed Matt over there at autonomy. And this is the message I got back. We're currently focused on expanding across the U S but hope to expand in other markets and regions in the future. So there you go. The answer is maybe one day we'll see how it goes. All right, everybody, that is it for me this week. My voice is going. It's cracking. I've had to re-record this several times because this is the best my voice is right now. Um, it's very deep, though, uh, or at least I've, in my head it feels very deep and rumbly. Unfortunately, uh, it also cracks occasionally and just goes out on entirely. <laughs> So like it just did there. So I'm just going to leave it here and I'll be back on Friday talking about EV news once again. I don't know why I made that so weird. I'm just going to stop because I'm tired and my brain's melting. Have a nice week, everybody. Oh, wait, one more thing. If you want to learn more about autonomy, go to autonomy.com. I'll also have a link in the show notes. 